Welcome to the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo Johnny on the other end. Uh, it is Michigan week, kids. And and I've, I've been trying to wrap my head around this season, Johnny, for really all season. And and I've kind of, the more I've thought about it, this is this is kind of where I am as we uh, as we embark on Michigan week. And, and I thought about, you know, we've had our coach suspended, a rogue assistant exposed, uh, <laughs> a quarterback who is not in the style that the hedge coach prefers. We've had literal headaches from our coach that had to be addressed in the media our best player quit the team in the middle of the season and yet it's michigan week and we're 10 and 1 yeah <laughs> this is the this is the the blessing and the curse of being an ohio state football fan or observer um it's just it's nuts in that the you even when you have bad it's not that bad and um and you watch this team and and what you saw against maryland over the weekend and 300 yard rushing to apparently, you know, Maryland recruited Tim Biakabatuka and I wasn't aware of it and you couldn't tackle him. And you, you look at our scheme and you look at maybe the talent in the back seven and it's not what we're used to. And the scheme is just really hard for anybody who knows anything about football to, to understand. And we'll have Anthony Schlegel on a little bit. I do the show with Laurenitis. He cannot make se- It drives him nuts. He cannot make sense of what we're asking our linebackers to do. And yet, despite all of that and all the distraction and and everything that this team has tried to endure this year and the constant questioning, here you sit. And it's Michigan week, and you're 10-1. and And if you beat Michigan, you can play for a Big Ten championship. And when you play at Ohio State, isn't that the goal all along? And so try to put that into perspective, my friend. Yeah, I I mean, look, it's hard leading up to it to – have perspective because I think Ohio State fans are so conditioned to, you know, expect national championships and beating everybody by 50 points, even though that's, I mean, really, if you look at the entire tenure of Urban Meyer as a whole, I mean, I think there, there's been a lot of up and downs and, and close calls and things like that. So it's not, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's hard to go into Michigan week before Michigan week and keep a clear head because there's never a clear head. You're always freaking out. You're always, you know, expecting the moon and everything. But once Michigan week hits, the thing I love about it is that, and I've always said this, is that the Michigan game's got its own unique inertia compared to all the other games on the schedule. And you kind of just get laser focused into this one thing. And that's what I love about it. And, and I remember years ago when they were, you know, talking about the different divisions and, and the uh, and the Big Ten and expanding. And I know that briefly they considered uh, moving the Michigan game to like a midseason game. And you can't <laughs> have it. you can't do that. The, I the remember that too. Season, that that insane build up to the very last moment. And I know that maybe it's a little negated a little bit by the. Uh, you know, the Big Ten championship game. But the fact that it's right there at the end of the calendar uh, towards the end of November is just a really special, awesome thing. And I love the buildup to it. I've been doing the threat level Michigan thing all year. And it's just, you know, I'm really pumped for this week, not just because it's the Michigan game, but just because it's the culmination of everything else that you've seen this year. And if if you're pissed about what's happened up until this point, a really kick-ass Michigan game where you beat a team that yes. is favored over Ohio yes. State at home uh, will make up for a lot of that. So I'm I'm pretty excited. So this is the first time that Urban Meyer's been an underdog in the Michigan game. It's the first time that Urban Meyer's been a home dog, period, at Ohio State. It's the first time Ohio State's been an underdog in a game since the Oregon game. Um, yeah. So it's it's been a while. It's the first time Michigan's been a favorite in Ohio, Ohio Stadium since 2004. 
Um, so this gives a little bit of perspective on this thing. The, the thing that I've that I've wanted and clamored for was an Ohio State Michigan game where everything was at stake. And we had it a couple of years ago in what was one of the greatest editions of the game ever played when Curtis Samuel walked it off in overtime in, in the overtimes won. Um, you you got that then. You got that in that game, and it was spectacular. And and there's nothing better than beating a great Michigan team or a good to great Michigan team. And, and you'll get the opportunity to do that on Saturday. And to your point, it can right a lot of wrongs um, on, on the course of a season. And that historically, that's what this game has done. If you think about, um, you know, the super soft senior season in 1970, um, you know, that, that allowed them a lot of the things that had gone wrong in that season manifested in them getting revenge from 1969 so, right. so this is this is what is possible for a lot of the Michigan teams in the '90s who underperformed. That was that saved their seasons and wrecked Ohio State seasons. So that what's that's what this thing is built on. Is that is um is that it is? I like your word. Its own. It's a it's its own inertia, and um and that's what makes it so magical. It's it's funny. I I'm contemplating taking my six year old to the game. I, I haven't decided yet, but I'm considering taking him to it, trying to think if he's old enough to properly appreciate it. And, um, and, and also if it's you know safe enough for him to attend. <laughs> and I think that it yeah. probably will be, it's not like an NFL game. I think it'll be fine. Um, but I'm thinking of taking him to it. And, and tonight, you know, I kind of wanted to see if he had an appreciation. So I popped on the, uh, Michigan, Ohio state HBO documentary, which I just think is the, is just the best thing that I've ever seen done on the rivalry. Yeah. And the, the lead off to it, we actually started our radio show today with, which starts with Bo from the Dead Schembechler saying, you know, that feeling you get in the pit of your stump, stomach the day before Christmas times it by a million. And it goes off with all the people talking about all those things. And you get chills. Uh, you do get chills. And whatever small part you play as a fan or as a media member or God willing, if you're lucky enough to play in the game or just be in that stadium, the one of those times when those team plays, um, it, it predates it's bigger than you and it will be here long when we're gone. And, and so whatever role you play in it is, is awesome to be a part of. And um, I always get jacked for it, but especially get jacked when they are a worthy adversary. And as you point out in your threat level, Michigan, they are indeed a worthy adversary going into this year's game. Well, and that's and not to belabor the point a little bit, but I think this is the exact example. This is the ultimate example about why I personally want Michigan to be good and then have a good yes. record going into this. Because if Michigan, if Michigan was like, you know, four and seven or something, and they were just a middling team that nobody cared about, and Ohio State had just experienced the season that they've experienced, you wouldn't take. I mean, I, I know people say that, oh, this is the great, I, I don't care. You would not take as much pleasure and beating Michigan as you would if Jim Harbaugh rolls in here with a 10-1 record with a college football playoff spot on the line. If you beat them in that scenario, that to me, I don't understand how you could possibly say that beating a mediocre, crappy Michigan team is just the same as destroying their hopes and dreams this Saturday. Because that is what I – I mean, that's what I live for. Like, I want to see them miserable after everything they've built up over this season, uh, all the, you know, the hype and stuff that they've slowly been gathering around them to just Revenge destroy tour. that would be exquisite. So I, I just – this is why you want both teams to be good. You want more games that are going to be exciting and fun. You want the stakes to be high. Because when you win, that means all the more. So I, I'm just really, really, uh, like I said, I'm really pumped for this game. But I'm more pumped because, like you said, this is a, a game with meaning. 
it's got a lot of drama behind it. It's got a lot of, you know, storylines that we're going to, you know, we could spend hours talking about, especially with the head coaches of these teams. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm just psyched for it. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things where it's hard to feel bad about college football when you know you've got something this great coming up. Let's do that now. Let, let's talk about the two coaches going into this game. We'll get into some of the specifics in the X's and O of the game with Anthony when he joins momentarily. Um, but I, I think big picture for these two school, these two coaches, they come into this obviously in very different places. Harbaugh, my, my talking to people at Michigan, Harbaugh feels the people around Harbaugh feel like this is his time. He's got 18 starters back from last year. A quarterback as talented as Shea Patterson drops from the clear blue sky out of nowhere. Um, they've gotten better and better each week. They are dominant on the defensive side of the, of the ball, especially on the defensive line. Uh, they have the number one pass defense in the country. Admittedly, they haven't played many teams who can throw it the way that Dwayne Haskins can. Um, but this is the f- Jim Harbaugh comes into this game with the better team. Yeah, that this is the first time that that's been the case. He's got the better team, um, especially with the loss of Nick Bosa. I mean, you watch these two teams all year long. Michigan's better. They've been better all year. They've been better. And um, they've been in many times, in many instances, significantly better, especially defensively. They're much more consistent. They are getting it going offensively late. They've gotten better and better each week. The pressure on Jim Harbaugh to win this game and validate his stay in Ann Arbor has got to be tremendous. Yeah. Um, whether he would admit it or not, I don't know. He, he tries to walk around like he's impervious to it, but he is winless against Ohio State. He knows it, and everybody knows it, and nobody knows the history of Michigan and Ohio State as well as he does. He would have it in the back of his head, and he knows that if he can't beat Ohio State, then he is not a man of consequence at Michigan. And so this is his year to do it. Uh, Ohio State, by Urban Meyer standards, is down. I know how absurd that sounds at 10-1, and one. Um, but as we started the, the show tonight and I went through the things that this program has been through and the things that their head coach has been through, um, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. And while I have a big problem with the amount of times ESPN takes a cutaway of Urban Meyer in a game like they did on Saturday, which was virtually every t- single time that something went wrong, they took a, a, a cutaway of him, which I thought was just absurd. Um, this, ha- this season has weight on him, and I don't know what his future holds in Columbus. I don't. Um, but Harbo's going to be around for a while. And if he doesn't get urban now, he might not ever. So these two guys come into this thing from very different perspectives, my friend. Yeah. I think the pressure on, on Jim Harbaugh to me is, is maybe one of the most interesting storylines in the entire game because it's not, I mean, yes, you, you get judged by how well you do against your rivals. And I think that hold true for Michigan, even, even after all of this, even after the you know last decade and a half, of the rivalry, you still get judged as a Michigan coach against how you do against Ohio State and to a lesser extent, uh, Michigan State. Uh, but I just think for Jim Harbaugh, a guy who's like his his coaching trajectory, like how we have perceived this dude over the co- start of his tenure till now, it I, I think if you had a, a situation like this two or three years ago, you know, at kind of the beginning where you know you've got a really hot shot Michigan team and then you've got a down Ohio State team we look at something like that and go well you know get them next time but to your point this is it like this is it you have to win this as Jim Harbaugh this is why you're at Michigan is to win games like this to restore Michigan to prominence that they haven't had since you know the the not you know late 90s early 2000s to get them to a point where they can contend for national championships and you can't do that unless you beat 
your rival that sits like a giant, you know, boulder in the middle of the road at the end of the season. And so I just, I think all of the pressure is on Michigan right now. I know Ohio State still, you know, technically can get into the college football playoff. I don't necessarily think they would, even if they went out. Um, But all of it's on Michigan. And to see how that team and that coach reacts to that kind of pressure, to me, is going to be fascinating because, you know, we get on Urban Meyer and we get on some of these other coaches for, uh, you know, turtling under pressure a little bit, going back to the bread and butter. I want to see what Jim Harbaugh does when he has to win this game. What does this team look like? What do they come out doing? Uh, it's, it's fascinating, utterly fascinating. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually feeling a little confident about this game in part because I think the pressure might get to him a little bit. Well, it could. Um, and it, it's something where if things don't go really well for Michigan right away, doubt would it'd be natural for doubt to creep in. Um, it, it would be very natural for doubt to creep in. So, um, I mean, the stage is set. It, it's set. And, and this is something that I have wanted uh, for a long time. And, and I hope that it consistently stays in this realm where the winner of this is a winner goes to the Big Ten championship situation. We had it a couple of years ago. We're going to have it again here. And um, and it's great. And, and the game a couple of years ago is one of the great games of all time. And hopefully this one lives up to it. We'll get into some of the X's and O's with Anthony Schlegel coming up next. And a little later, we'll give our predictions for the game and ask us anything. Lots still to come here on the Dubcast. I want to remind you to be sure and visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.11warriors.com. And there is some new gear. I like the Super Softs tee. Uh, yeah, the Supersoft 68T that is out. That's a new that's a new piece of merchandise that I saw make the social media rounds this, uh, this morning, I believe, sir. Yeah. And we've got we've got the Beat Michigan shirt. We've got all kinds of good stuff. Uh, one of our one of the big bestsellers is the the Ohio flag hat, which I'm a huge fan of. So, yeah, definitely check it out. We've got some we have a great flag. flag. Yep. We have the best flag. I mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. Texas, hands down. Texas has a really good flag, too. I mean, Meh. those are instantly recognizable. Right, you can't mint Texas. You can say it's not as good, but you can, it's a good one. I mean, you know what it is. Eh, I'm, I'm more really? of a. I like the, you know, if let me put it this way, I like it better than the, uh, the standard like blue background and then our logo or our crest that like half the other states go with. So I, I will. It is very iconic. I'll give them that. I will 100 give them that. But the Ohio flag, it's the only flag like that in the entire world. I mean, it's that and Nepal that aren't like the regular you know, triangular shape. So I'm, I'm all about it. I think Ohio's yeah, like the regular one. rectangles. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it's a strong, it's, a, it's, it's the most recognizable. I would say I'm certain of that. Yeah. Um, all right. Good stuff. Anthony Schlegel coming up next. All right. Time now to be joined by one of my favorite people and former Buckeyes and uh, just all around good dudes. Anthony Schlegel join us. Schlegs. It is Michigan week. When I say that to you, what runs through your mind? Yeah. I want to smash their face in. <laughs> that's that's what runs through my mind i actually have you know i have a, a striking machine in my shop that has uh you know a big m for michigan and boom an x through it and literally today i hit it 400 times did you really that's what it's about yeah yeah 100 matter of fact i train like i have this like 6 a.m shop group i just call them okay. and where my where my company is it's just a bunch of like you know places where people are doing business some people are doing um some people do all the beer tasks for like columbus and cincinnati they're like okay. coil and then i got like these brothers that make stuff out of bourbon barrels and they're awesome so they just come into my shop and then i got superior beverage guys i got my former agent we just show up and train i just train them i just melt their face off 
the juice, <laughs> and everybody's walking away, sweating their face off, and they got a sweet pump time. And then, but today it's like everybody has to strike this thing 400 times. Nice. Beat Michigan. So, anyways, yeah. Oh my but, God. The, I just see it. I'm just. Uh, I, I follow you on Twitter, but I don't know why I haven't noticed this before. But it's it's literally the picture on your profile. Yeah. You have the picture. And the cool thing, and the cool thing is, is like. In this entire rivalry, I just started thinking about this the other day. I might be the only player in it that has product that, that invented something that both sides use. So Michigan has 32 striking machines. Wow. And this week – now, here's the deal, though. I didn't sell to Michigan on purpose for the first two years. <laughs> they called. They asked about it. They were like, hey, we really like your product. And I was like, uh, No. Um, so then this year, they got a new head strength coach named Ben Herbert, who I could tell their bodies look a lot different. I thought they had kind of sloppy bodies before. Their dudes look better now. Uh, but Ben was actually my first cu- very first customer before Ohio State. First guy when he was the head strength coach at Arkansas. He's like, I want my dude striking and with having bad intentions all the time. Anyways, long story short, he gets the Michigan job. And he calls me and he's like, listen, I got I got to get these dudes striking and being violent with their hands. I said, attack and dominate. And so I, I put him up there, delivered him, and then, then he's like, hey, we need the stickers on there for every week that we play a team for them to hit it. And, of course, this week is, is the yeah. game. So they, so they got them, and then Ohio State's got them, and they're all hitting each other with bad intentions, thinking about the game, all my product. Awesome. And I'm like, I'm Dude. like, go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> That's fantastic. What yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's fun. So, how, okay, so your your personal story, I think, is really because you started out what at the Air Force Academy, right? You're yeah, started at the Air Force Academy. How does this rivalry get into your blood? Like, how, how does it go from like maybe something that you're not super familiar with, or at least you know, kind of kind of familiar with through college football? But how does it get to the point where you just want to destroy the Michigan Wolverines? Yeah, so I mean, it all started when you come here just because of the tradition of Ohio State football. And, you know, yeah, I mean, we had rivalries when I was at the Air Force Academy. It's like, you know, beat Army, sink Navy, right? And those are great right. because we're all on the same team at the end of the day, and the teams are made up of a lot of the same type of guys, right? And then you come into this rivalry, and first off, every time I see the colors of Michigan, I think of 1992 starters jackets. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Super gross. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I grew up in Texas, right? So you would see people walking around and starter jackets sucked because it would snow and rain on you and they would just like melt, right? It was right. okay it if would. they were windy. Yeah, they were just gross looking. And then, and also their, their you know, maize color. Like that's, that's the color I put my six year old in if I want to see where he's running around Cabela's, you know? It's like Hunter Orange. I mean, that's what you do. Like, like children wear that color for when their parents are in a crowd. They go, oh, there's Johnny, right? There's Sam. You know, I got him. And that's that. It's so they're gross. But anyways, that being said, you just always had a respect for the tradition of the people that came before. And, you know, it's, and it's always a great game because it's about toughness. It's a tough game. And that's what yeah. really intrigued me about it and why I really got into it because it was, who stops the run and who runs the ball? And again, I'm not aging. I'm not Bobby. I'm not running a four-four. I'm not running 
hundred yard sprints and stuff. Like I run from <laughs> tackle to tackle and hit you in your face, right? Like that was that's all I loved about football, the physicality, and that's the game, right? That's why you love it. Legs, why do you think um, you when you played in the game, the game was a monster? And what I mean by yeah. that is they were a worthy adversary. There's been a lot of times in the last decade where they haven't been, where they've brought clown shows into the game, and it's been an embarrassment. Um, we're we're heading back into them being a worthy adversary. Yeah. yeah, embarrassment yeah. for them, right, because they are not – you know, this has not been – James and I, Lauren, I decided to talk about this all the time on the show. Like, he is of my belief that he wants Michigan to be a worthy adversary. He wants them coming into the game like they come into this game, and that's my feeling on it is I want this to be for the Big Ten East. I don't want them coming in looking like Purdue except they're wearing – well, bad example. But <laughs> coming in like they're Rutgers except they're wearing <laughs> maize and blue, right? Like, yeah, I, I want sure. them being Michigan. I want them to be a worthy adversary. You, you played in a time where they were – why do you think Trestle was so successful in the game? Well, you know, uh, first off, you guys have a great show, and I, I completely agree with your point because T-Bone said he wanted Michigan to lose every single game. I'm so <laughs> on the opposite of that. <laughs> I, I, there's people that yeah. want Michigan to lose all the time. Like, if when competition breeds excellence and you want your rival, like, Grant, we don't like them, but we want them to be at their best, and then we want to beat them at their best. Yeah to go to the championship, right? And all roads lead through our game because we're going to beat up on the West because that's what the East side of the Big Ten does. So what made, what made Coach Tress so phenomenal? I think he was, I mean, he was 9-1, and one, right, yeah. Versus, yeah. versus them. So, so, I mean, again, it goes back to you are what you emphasize. And when you emphasize this rivalry and you watch – the four quarters in spring ball, which sometimes is a little bit of squirmy in the seats because everybody in the, in the you know, seats are watching you play, and how did you play? Because here you are now as a senior watching your 04 you know, game, and you're much better than that, right? But it's always on the forefront of your mind, and then you got the countdown clock, and we would utilize that in the strength conditioning when I was coaching there. And then, you know, then you have – spring ball or, um, you know, your Michigan drills, right, that you would do for turnovers. And they would play the music, Coach Chess did. And you had a circuit, and it was all about turnovers, but it was their music. And this was during the season. So <laughs> it was just something that was always there and it was always present. And it just showed how important it was, not just for, for us as the guys, the players or the coaches, but the fan base of Buckeye Nation and how, what it meant to them. Because you know, sometimes, sometimes as a player, like, you get lost in, I wouldn't say the zone, but being able to control the chaos to go play and execute. You know what I mean? Right. And you can't, get caught, you can't get caught up in the hoopla that is the game. Because if you did, you know, your sphincter would be so tight, like, you'd be crapping out diamonds, you know? <laughs> so you can't, you, can't play, you can't play that way. So there, there's that fine line, but I think, his notion was if we have this on and we make it an emphasis all the time, these guys are going to be used to this. They're going to be used to this type of week. They're going to be used to this buildup, and they'll be able to go out there and execute. And we did. I mean, well, we beat them when, they were, when we were dogs. You know, for right. Years, oh, yeah. And we beat them bad. Well, that's actually – I mean, that, that's something that – I mean, 2004 is a big – for me, I was a student at Ohio State, and I got, that was my first mission game that I got to see. And I was – 
I was floored by that game. I that's one of my all time favorite uh, sporting event like experiences that I've ever had. But one of the things you, you were talking about, like execution, I, I kind of want to draw it into the game this year because it seems like, especially at you know your position, a linebacker, that that's where Ohio State's kind of really struggled a lot. And especially in a really high pressure situation like the game, what do Ohio State's back seven and especially linebackers have to do to to win the game? What do they have to do to make sure that they keep pace with the Michigan team that's been a lot better than you know maybe people expected at the beginning of the year? Well, you know, I thought they'd be good. You know, I'm kind of biased, but I know this game, right? You got to be able to develop dudes, and right. the dudes have to be um, ready to go out there and play ball, right? So. I think when they hired Ben, that was a huge step in the right direction. Because you see, the, the bad thing about college football now is, I wouldn't say cronyism, but it's like, I got a guy, and it just kind of goes with me, right? They hitch, they, hitch, they hitch their wagon to him. I mean, it's why I got out of coaching. It wasn't like, coaching's difficult, man. Finding good coaches that know ball, that can recruit their face off, and are a good dude, all in one, good luck. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, right. so I knew they would be better when they found... Ben. Two, they, they finally got a guy that has game experience, right, as a quarterback. And though mm-hmm. he didn't know the system right away, but he's matured and gotten better. It's not like, he's, not, he's not Haskins whatsoever. He's not Tate. But he does what he does in their system. And so they have that. Then I think what really surprised me about them this year was Ed Warner and what he's done with their offensive line, which really yeah. struggled in the past. Like, our D-line beat them up physically. And, that again, that is the game. The game is one up front, right? So, that being said, our back seven, we got to tackle. That's it. The, yeah. diff- the most difficult thing with our back seven that people, I think, there's a lot of things that I think people forget because this world is such instantaneous self-gratification and it's the here and now. We, we forget to step back and look at a very 30,000-foot picture of what's transpired, we've lost four first-round corners. <laughs> right. Right? Let's not yeah. do ourselves. We've lost first-round safeties. We've had first-round caliber, second-round caliber linebackers go. Right? We've lost talent in the back end of coaching in Luke Fickle and Kerry Combs. And then you culminate Let me stop that you right there real quick, Schlegs, real quick Go on ahead. that front, because I think that's a really the two things you just uh, said. I, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I think it's actually more on the last part you said than the first part you said. And the, the reason I say that is Alabama loses first round corners and safeties and linebackers and they just keep coming. Um, and, and Urban had done that. This is the first time that we've seen this, right, where the where like the drop off. Exactly. Where there's a little bit of lull and it's actually at linebacker and the secondary. I, James and I were talking about this today. I said, you tell me the pros in the back seven. You tell me where the pros are. Like Urban's always had pros. So then you you couple that with no carry, no Luke, and then you have what you're seeing. I mean, the game, you had to be out of your mind. James was texting me when they when <laughs> Maryland scores two 70-yard touchdowns. You should have read my tweets, man. I was going running this. I did. I saw you doing push-ups, but I'm going, my God, they ran the same play twice and went 70 yards. I mean, that can't happen. Brother, brother, listen. So let's talk about this. And this is where 
this is where, in my honest opinion, I'm more up for a guy that's a defensive-minded head football coach. We'll blow your mind for a little bit. But what travels? Defense, right? Yeah. So when you – now, we were 15th in the country last year in total defense. Just a heads up. We were second and third. I, I had some stats. I read them off in the post game. I forget where they are. But we were doing really well. 15th's not bad. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, fine. it is what it is. But then – Here's the deal, though. When you, when you lose players and then you lose coaches and then you're the coach, here's why I like guys that are the head football coach that know defense. You hire guys that know your defense. Because if you look at Saban and you look at D'Antonio and you look at the great defenses of Ohio State, that was Saban's defense from Michigan State brought to the, by D'Antonio here, then ran by Haycock, who hired guys that knew how to run it. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. What that does is that that allows that the D coordinator doesn't have to teach the new coach his new scheme. Right. right. He just brings dudes in that have been running his scheme all over the country. You look at Michigan State. What do they do? They hire Snyder. Snyder was a former D coordinator here, head coach in Marshall, D coordinator at AM. What's the defense he's running? That one. So why does he hire him up there? So Mike Trussell doesn't have to coach him. On the defense, he's already ran, and he brings knowledge of how he ran his defense against different formations. That's So what's crazy about that is that you can extrapolate that to a lot of different things in Ohio State's coaching. That's a really interesting point because yeah, that's so – the, Yeah, because the continuity, like the problems of like all these different coaching staff kind of meshing, especially with the turnover that they've had just in terms of guys going to different jobs and whatnot. I mean, that's an, I think that's an excellent point. Um, and the, and it, the other the other thing on that is you have to be able to adjust your scheme to the personnel. I'm gonna give you an example. 2005, people don't realize this, and we're in the Big Ten, and it was just when they were starting to go to the spread a little bit more, right? Right. We ran 80 percent eighty percent nickel. Yeah, with like the, we had the a star, right? Like the star safety. position that'd be out there. Exactly. That was Dante Hitner Whitner. Right? So you got a freak. And then I want to put Nate Sally and Brandon Mitchell in the back end because I got a guy who can go shock and shit at tight end if they want to go run one back, one tight. Right? Right. But I can utilize Bobby, who is a pass rusher. So you could keep three linebackers, three linemen, and five DBs and still stop the run. And then when we had to play in Wisconsin, we still had a really big physical Sam, which was Bobby, and we could rotate a DN in or, or a D tackle. But we played to the strength, right? We didn't have shut down corners, but we could right. do man when we had to, <laughs> and we zone pressured. Right. And we were we were number one in rush defense and number five, and I mean we gave up like thirteen points a game or something like that, right? Two hundred and like two hundred seventy yards of total offense, but seventy three yards rushing a game. But I mean, but that's what it was. You're going to beat us doing other things, not running the football, and then we could adjust with the personnel. And I think Haycock did a phenomenal job of that. So I think you take all those things that we talked about, lack of, lack of, lack of talent or developed, uh, development of talent, yeah. and then you take coaches' carousel personnel change along with then the coordinator who's now running this system only in his second year of running this, having to teach new guys how they want it to be ran, takes a little bit away of everybody else, and it culminates into a defense that ranks probably 60 to 70th in the country 
which is unacceptable at Ohio State, and why everybody is having this big hoopla about it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I mean, that the cause and effect. I mean, it all adds up. Good job it's out good, of you, man. buddy. Um, <laughs> so you we we you, you look at this game and you say to yourself, um, if you look at where we're trending and where they're trending. It's hard to say, uh, you know, that that you feel good about this thing. It's the first time since 2004 a game you played in, obviously, where Michigan's been is going to be favored in the shoe. It's the first time Urban's ever been an underdog against Jim Harbaugh. Um, it's it's the first time Ohio State's been an underdog since Oregon in the national championship game. So then I ask you this because I actually feel relatively confident going into this game. Am I nuts? No. <laughs> because I'm, to, I'm totally with you, Bo. I mean, I, you yeah. know, here's here's the here's the deal. This defense might come out there and just knock their their junk in the dirt, man. I don't I don't know. Now you would say from the tape that's not going to happen, right? But they have some flaws, and if you look at that, I mean, straight up, I don't know what the heck was going on because I'm, I'm watching the game at my house. I always watch the first half at home, then I go to the studio for the post game. Mm-hmm and watch it there. And the first four plays, all they did was tackle motion to create an unbalance. But you don't even have to adjust the front because it's the tackle that goes over. So you still call it to the right. You just got to give him a slide call. But then the corner doesn't know what the heck he's doing because we know he's not man because he didn't go with him, right? And he peeked inside. And then Brandon White missed the tackle. Well, the – like, if the dudes just stay outside and do their job and dude fills up and makes a tackle, the guy's not having a 300-yard rushing game. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, it's just these small little things. Now, I'm definitely not one. I don't believe the stuff of we're close. Well, we ain't close. You know what I mean? Right. But they are what they are. <laughs> and and I would like to think this. If, the, if they have to sit back there and throw it over the top of us, I don't necessarily see them – throwing it over the top of us. Where people beat us is the slants and the yep. in the over the middle plays that really that yes. really hurts us. Have they caught some on the outside? Yeah. But what they're gonna get us is on the run the run pass option, throwing a quick slant, guys biting up, not having the responsibilities, allowing a guy to go scot free on the inside release and we have no help there. Like that's where they can hurt us. But I mean I ultimately I have a lot of faith. It might be one of those two thousand six games. It might be another Maryland game. And yeah. people were like, well, their D-line is so good. Well, our D-line is so good. There's ways of stifling a D-line. We have right. enough yep. skill in the wide receiver spot that we can stifle. I mean, we got talent. I don't know if well, we, we have got to start talent. Yeah. But we, we got a dude that can sling it, right? And, yeah. Right. And so, and, and I have a lot of, um, I got juiced up about our running game. Finally, and I've yeah. said this for a long time, all year. We ran for 200-some yards, and our guys weren't hesitant. So yeah, instead they of just doing this one-pass deal where we don't know who's going to pull the ball or what or what they're going to do, like they just fired off the ball. Oh, it's amazing when they're 6'6", 320 pounds. <laughs> they just fire off the ball. Every play we run the ball, they can do it. You know, it's almost like we, we, we gave them an option to be hesitant. You know, but I'll say this. This is the time in this game is when the fundamental, whoever is the most fundamentally sound will win. And my biggest worry would be the pass pro because Mm -hmm. even in last game, I saw our guys standing up 
And this D-line will not allow you to stand up. But I also like our D-line versus their O-line as well. And they're going to have they're going to, have to both have the same issues. So from that front, it's going to be our D-line has to step up big time to help us stop the run, to cover up our linebackers, and to cover Man, up our you. safety play, fill in the box. Yeah. And they, they have to do that by being gap sound. They can't just get washed or blown out of their gaps. So anyways, that, I mean – there's there's all that in a nutshell, but I'm with you, Bo. I feel good about it yeah. because it's in the shoe. We're a dog. This team is resilient. They are mentally tough. Dealing with drama from the beginning of the year oh, with yeah. all that crap, dealing with this slap dick that writes these random articles that have no bias whatsoever, like, <clears throat> I mean, just unfounded things, and they have to deal with that and come to, you know, Coach Meyer's aid and say this is crap takes away from their focus, but they somehow pull it together. And now you've got the ultimate stage in the game at home in a very mentally tough team. I don't see it happening. God I bless don't. you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. But that's my Thank hope. you for – That's my no, hope, man. That's, my that's hope. what I'm <laughs> – That's my story. I'm sticking to it too, pal. That's it, man. <laughs> and you got, and you, got to, you got to let it ride. If you were like, man, I told you. You know, yeah. I'm like, listen, bro. I mean, what the hell do you know? You don't know nothing. <laughs> right? That's what that's what I say to you. I say go bucks, right? You know me. I'll this is the them. greatest I Johnny, this is the greatest. James told me that the one of the most important things he's ever learned in his life is from Schlegs. And the yeah. the line is no matter what conversation, awkward conversation you're in with somebody, you can say anything. And as long as you finish it with go bucks, everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm that's like, true. That's that's true. That's just you know, gold. Go Bucks. It is, man. It's it's money. Go Bucks, man. Like you know, somebody's <laughs> talking trash. You, you know what, man? Go Bucks, and just walk off. Or <laughs> I'm just so excited. Go Bucks. Use the situation. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's that kind of deal. It's that kind of Schlegs, deal. we love you, buddy. Thanks for taking the time Boy, with us today, guys. I appreciate you having me on, man. I had a blast. And don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter, rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Before we get to our final thoughts on Ohio State, Michigan, time for a few Ask Us Anythings. What do you have for us this week, my friend? Well, so guys, if you want to ask us anything, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Let's start with uh, Bill Medina. Bill, uh, he thinks that it is uh, unlikely that both Tate and Dwayne are going to be at Ohio State in 2019. Um, if we, <laughs> which, yeah, I agree. Good job, Bill. I agree. Yeah. Uh, if we had to pick which we would rather see, uh, to create the better team, who would we pick is, is Tate is, is oh my God. I think too much is, of the round is, with all due respect. Is it yeah. Bill with all due respect? Bill, <laughs> This is an example of how nuts we can be as Buckeye fans. Yeah. Because, um, there was a lack of appreciation for JT Barrett. And next year you're going to see when, because if you think Tate Martell can just be JT Barrett, I got another thing coming for it to you. Um, JT Barrett was basically a fullback. <laughs> okay. Well, he could throw a, yeah. pretty good. And, and so my point of calling him a fullback is a compliment because he basically picked up every single third and fourth and one ever. Like Tate Martell is right. not built that way. No. Um, and so, so you're going to see just how good JT Barrett was. And and if this isn't even a conversation, Dwayne Haskins is an NFL talent. It's up to them to make the best out of him. Um, and so that's and 
I understand where he's coming from because it's basically he's basically saying that because Dwayne won't run, then would we be better off with Tate? And the very simple answer to that is no. If Tate Martell was quarterbacking this team instead of Dwayne Haskins, you might have three or four losses. Right. And here's what I would say, like, because I understand, I understand the point. I mean, when you've got when you look at red zone issues and when you look at the inability of the team to get two or three yards in some situations, although I would argue I think their running game has improved quite a bit in the last couple of games in general. It has. Um, I, I think what people kind of fail to realize is that, you know, Dwayne Haskins throwing for 350 yards a game has been necessary to win all of this. It's required. And, right. It's <laughs> you look, you have to score 52 points to beat Maryland. Like you need he writes wrongs. So yes. you're not, yeah, you're not getting that with Tate in the backfield. And as much as I like Tate Martell, it's, it's just not the same team offensively. You have to have, Dwayne's ability uh this season and I don't know that next season that metric changes that much so I I agree with you I mean I I understand the the point I do too I don't mean any disrespect to him I just think like there's sometimes we have an underappreciation for just how good the guy is who's playing well and I just think maybe a general frustration that certain things aren't able to get accomplished but that's not on Dwayne and and I don't think would fix those things either so yeah, I, I think Dwayne is the the choice there. You just the coaches have to be better at utilizing the talents of the rest of the team and utilizing Dwayne's talents. So, um, and then what's funny is is like I think you know we've got other questions that kind of relate to that. You know, if if uh, for example, if Dwayne stays next year, does Tate stay? I don't think you have to. Ha- I don't think you have to worry about that. Alvin asked that question. I don't know that you even have to worry about that because I think Dwayne Haskins mm-hmm. is going to get a an early first yeah. round great and then peace you know well i talked to a friend of mine with the cleveland browns and and they graded they had him graded in the uh you know as a you know second third round guy Mm -hmm. with the acknowledgement right now they do uh with with the acknowledgement that this is a really weak quarterback now the browns aren't in the need for a quarterback so it doesn't really matter but um with the idea that with and the understanding that this is not a quarterback a good quarterback draft and so that if he these are my words not theirs if he tests well which he will He'll end up being a end of the first round quarterback. Yeah, you can't you run? You go take the money. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing. Like you know, you talk about like it being a a quarterback week draft. If you wait too long, and and five other dudes come out at the same time, and you yeah. got to deal with like Tua. Like you don't want you don't want to be in the same draft. You're gonna have, that, you're gonna have Tua. You're gonna have the kid at Georgia. You're gonna have the yeah. kid the Easton kid at Washington who transferred from Georgia who was hurt last year. Right. Um, yeah, you don't want, and it sounds like that Herbert kid's going to go back to Oregon. So if that happens too, you don't want to be a part of that draft. Yeah. Get your money now and just, you know, take the, take the, the highest evaluation that you're going to get. Uh, next one, this one's from Tyler. This is an interesting question. He says, does the fact that this might be urban's worst Ohio state team, uh, yet, well, <laughs> not the worst team that they've yet, but they, they have only one loss and still a shot at the playoff speak more to the absurd level of excellence he's got at Ohio State, or maybe does it speak towards the uh, the maybe a little bit unexpected weakness of the Big Ten this year? A little bit of both, uh, yeah. as with most things. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, um, but it speaks to, you know, we just like when we started this show, every year we do this, Johnny, we'd say, um, all right, what are we grading them by? Who do we, you know, what's the curve, right? And so right. we grade Ohio State on the Alabama curve, and so we compare them to Alabama. And I think for much of this season, a lot that's been written and said about Michigan has been based on grading Michigan on its own curve. Um, you know, you weren't grading Michigan against Ohio state or Alabama or anything. You were grading them against past Michigan teams and they were a lot more competent than them. 
Um, so, you know, you're a product of your success if you're Urban Meyer. Absolutely. And then also the Big Ten was just not what we thought it would be. I mean, we thought this would be a historic year in the Big Ten. Wisconsin cannot throw the football. They can't. Jonathan Taylor's incredible. I mean, another 2,000 yards and all of these things, but they cannot throw the football. So they're they're. I mean, Northwestern won the West. So <laughs> it took Scott Frost. You know, I thought he would have a more immediate impact. He didn't. Um, I thought Michigan State would be really competent. They're not. I thought Penn State would be would maintain excellence all year. They haven't. So it's that you know the league's down, and so it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, Northwestern won the West with like two games to spare. Like that's what's really crazy about it. Akron, dude. Yeah, Northwestern lost to Akron. Yeah, I honestly, I think that's a really good point that's brought up in this question because I do think that the Big Ten uh, being down plays a big part of it. I, I think that's really significant because it is down, and this is this is one of those things where you expect like just kind of dominance and things like that, and losing to Purdue in a year where the Big Ten just does not seem like they have any other real threat outside of Michigan. Uh, despite what we might have thought when the games were played. I mean, when we played Penn State, it was a huge big deal. I was like, all right, this is going to be the, the Battle of the Titans, and it certainly was not that, um, you know, as it's become evident towards the end of the season. So I, I think that's a, a really fair question because it's not been the the big power struggle that that people expected. Uh, last one here, this is, from, uh, this is from Fred. Fred just wants to know, quite simply, because it's Michigan week, uh, our favorite Michigan memory. Mission game memory. Um, I'm going to go. I mean, there's a lot of great plays that that I remember as spectacular in moments. Um, but the one that I that the only time I ever got emotional covering college football was this one, and it was when um, in 2012 Johnny Simon couldn't play, and mm-hmm. it was blizzarding, and it was cold, and he was the heart and soul of that team, and Johnny limped out and almost tried to run. You know, and now yeah, we know yeah. and we've heard the stories about what his knee has been through. And um, to me, like when I think of what it means to be a Buckeye, I think of John Simon. I mean, that's and there's a lot of guys that could be that guy. Sure. Um, but that image of him, you know, in tears, his parents crying, Urban hugging him um, because he was he was the heart and soul of that. I mean, that was a team that was six and seven the year before. Right. And then they yeah. went undefeated and um get a chance to play for a national title because you know people at, at the university thought it would be smart to play in you know a meaningless gator bowl instead so um right. it was that was that's the one i mean i like i said i've never really gotten emotional at a sporting event but that one brought tears watching johnny walk out there yeah i think that's i think that's a really good one i would say probably just the first mission game that i actually got to attend in person which was 2004 i was a you know, I was a student at Ohio State and I actually got to, you know, be in the crowd and and, and feel it for the first time. I actually feel, uh, you know, what that game actually means. There's there's a difference. There's a huge difference. I think when you're a kid and you watch this every fall and I was I would sit in the cat, you sit in this chair and, you know, and watch Ohio State football and, and watch them lose inevitably to Michigan. Uh, and then my first time, like actually being able to be in the stadium and feel the crowd and the anger and the, you know, just the, the rivalry in a really visceral way was definitely like my absolute favorite thing. And the other thing about 2004 is that, you know, this team, I think Ohio state goes in as like, you know, seven and five, seven and four, basically it was not a good season. People were hinging everything 
on the Michigan game and just the the collective desperation I think of Ohio State fans to try to avoid the bad old years of the 90s and really win that game and the collective <laughs> right. as like Troy Smith is doing like 360 spins and all this kind of crap uh it was it was a really really great game but I just remember uh specifically watching you know guys like Mike Hart and, and Chad Henney come out of that tunnel and just feel the stadium like want to all bum rush the Michigan team and just destroy <laughs> them as they came out that first instance where you saw the Michigan team uh it was it was great it was just awesome and uh that's what I you know that's why I love college football like it's it's just it was great so yeah that was I think that's my all-time favorite Michigan thing and I went to the 2006 game and that was incredible by itself but that first yeah. taste of the rivalry was something that's always been stick in my brain so, and that's, and that's, that's getting, ask us anything guys, uh, continue sending those in. Thank you for the questions. Those were, uh, those were excellent. All right, buddy. This is it. The moment of truth. Uh, you said you were feeling good. Do you think Ohio state wins on Saturday? You know what? I, I do actually, I honest to God, I think that they do. I think that, uh, Michigan chokes, I think this is a situation where they should win. They should have a good game plan. They should be able to, you know, just kind of have their defense sit on the chest of Ohio State and do whatever they want to do, especially because Ohio State's probably going to be pretty one-dimensional. I think Dwayne overcomes it. I think Dwayne Haskins throws for a butt-ton of yards. I think the wide receivers ball out. And uh, I think you're looking at something like a 35-33 or 35-32 game where Ohio State pulls it out. I, I really think this is a game that is bigger than Jim Harbaugh can handle, and I think he's going to choke something in the game. Yeah, it's funny. I feel the same. I um, there's nothing. There is nothing that I've seen from this team that should should make me feel this confident. I know. Other than, <laughs> this had to be how Michigan felt in the '90s. Like you just feel like, oh, well, we're just going to beat them. Like we just yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll do it. I I don't. I can't make sense of it. I mean this this team is so flawed, and this team is um, you know, has been through so much. But for some reason, I just feel like that right arm of Dwayne Haskins might just be enough, and he makes enough plays through the air um that they can they can make it work and and maybe michigan does turtle up and if they do my god i don't know how you answer for that and i don't know where you go from here because this is it i mean this is their enchilada this is 18 guys back and the quarterback and they're better every year and they get to the game to this point and next year is going to be very very different for them so if they don't win at this time i don't know when they will and um and yet you know i'm kind of with you I, my gut kind of tells me that they won't so um it's going to be fun i can't wait i'm glad it's a big one it hasn't it's it was a big one you know it's been a big one now what twice in a decade so i'm so excited that it's back and um and i can't wait for the game on saturday we thank anthony schlegel for joining us and we thank you for listening we'll be back next week to break it all down uh have a good week my friend enjoy your thanksgiving yep you too <laughs>